Good evening. Welcome to um, yet another Bethel Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us. Um, we have, as usual, three, to uh, three topics tonight to talk about. Our first topic, and we seem to, we don't mean to, but it becomes a topic almost every season, if you will, that we do this. And because it's an important one. Um, and it's uh, a topic, kind of the battlefield of the mind, or your self-talk. Um, so with that, I'll let Ben kind of set up the segment a little more. So uh, last week, uh, when Tara had to head out uh, to finish her part as a game leader, um, we talked about, essentially we got into this subject of self-talk, uh, of basically, if we're not careful, uh, your, your self-talk will be anything but biblical, positive, and accurate. And I had never thought of that, and it was years and years and years ago that this book came across my desk, and I've jokingly said I, I, I literally give the book out to bunches of people. There's about probably six books that I do that with, uh, and this is one of them. And I have personally never read through the book cover to cover. The title alone helps me telling yourself the truth. And uh, it's by William Marie, uh, William Backus and Marie Chapman. And uh, if you put that in, it'll come straight up either on Google or Amazon. And it, they're very, I mean, it's a biblical book, Christian authors and the such. And the whole premise is, is that if you do not police the self-talk, the devil will make sure that you tell yourself inaccurate truths. Your flesh will tell yourself inaccurate truths, and we know that the world will tell ourselves inaccurate truths. And so um, I, I, when I was exposed to the book, I, I basically realized in my own life, I mean, if I'm not careful, I call myself an idiot 30, 40, 50 times a day. Uh, and, and even though we all probably do some things like that and we don't really mean it, from idiot becomes you don't do anything right. You screw up. And, and it just goes down the, the toilet, you know, type thing. And, and then, you know, you call yourself that long enough, your wife's going to join in. <laughs> your children are going to join in. Your workmates are going to join in. Before you know it, you've, and so. You've sold yourself that you've life. You've sold yourself that life. So uh, one person coined the phrase, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. And so uh, the, so that's the setup. Uh, and, and I've got a whole lot more to say, but you, you guys join in here. Well, my first thought on that is um, something I've, you know, I think we've all learned the hard way, but before it's an action, it's a thought. Right. So whatever you're going to do, if it's positive or if it's negative, if it's going to be beneficial or if it's going to be harmful, it started in your thought life. Right. Um, and I <laughs> talk about learning lessons the hard way. This last year was um, a learning year, I should say 2019. Um, and there were some lessons that God um, made me learn the hard way, and I'm thankful for it now. But it was all patterned around my thinking. Mm. and my stinking thinking, if you will. Right. And um, I think, if we're being honest, a lot of it is strongholds, whatever that right. is. If it's lust, if it's fear, if it's, I mean, before before you start drinking too much, you start you know, thinking about drinking too much. If you are hooked on pornography, you're thinking it's in your thought life before it's in your actions. 
Um, and mine was fear in, a, in a, just a horrific kind of way. And I had to get a control of my thought life. It was, it was a thought problem. Right. Um, and, you know, the Bible, in Corinthians, it says, take every thought captive yep. for a reason. So, so uh, along those lines, uh, one of the most devastating truths uh, to me, when I came out of college, before I went to college, I thought I was a pretty good boy because I was raised a preacher's son. I was isolated as well as insulated from the world. And I just figured there wasn't a whole lot that I needed to be saved from. And then I went to college and got around girls. Lord, help. Uh, there was a lot to be saved from. And uh, I started a downward trek in my thought life. And I never really took it serious until I came here as youth director. And God started dealing with me on that. And I realized that you never do anything that you don't first think about. So the reverse to that is true, too. Or, or not reverse, but just carry that out. If you thought it, you're capable of it. Does that not scare? I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's enough to, wow. For me, that statement right there are my dreams. You know, if you have a bad day, a lot of times, all of us, you know, if we watch SpongeBob for two hours, we're dreaming about SpongeBob. You know, <laughs> I struggle with. Safely say I've never dreamt about SpongeBob. No. Uh, welcome lucky. to my mind. But no, uh, so I had a terrible holiday season with my family. Mm. And uh, last night, I woke up three or four times in my dreams fighting and beating mm. my family you mm. know and it's like and but that's part of my thought life you know right. when it's consumed us for weeks now we were our 2020 was amazing and then the last two weeks of 2020 and i say it was we'd be lizzie joke we had a good 2020 we really did and but the last the last two weeks were terrible and that consumed us and it started this year you horrible you know and, and it's because we've had a hard yeah, time controlling sure. our thoughts as of the last two weeks yeah, yeah. you're on and it's the reverse is true about, you know, you're thinking negative thoughts, but positive thoughts, it's the same thing. Right. Hey, Brad, uh, turn Gavin up, please. And I've learned recently, um, I Thank generally you. sleep really well, but before I would use my sleepless nights just staying sleepless. Like, I feel like, you know, that's that's when Satan wants to do his best work. When oh, at night, my goodness. You can't sleep or, you know, you're in the car by yourself for two. That is a fantastic time to let your thoughts wander. But I found that, you know, if I'm awake, I'm just laying there, I'll just start praying. And, uh, I mean, not to sound super holy or anything. I'm just saying I've started doing that. That's, and a, it, that's a humble brag. <laughs> just being honest. Because if I don't, the next thing you know, you've got here all comes these. In like here a comes some dark thoughts. Yeah. And there's only one way to combat that that I've found. And that's to start talking to God. So, so the verse that you uh, quoted just a while ago is uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 2 through 6. And the whole passage says this. Yea, I beseech you that I may not win present show courage with the confidence for which I count to be bold against some who count of us as if we walked according to the flesh for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds casting down imaginations and face it anything that we dream up in our heads that is smarter than God and even though we'd never say it that way if we're listening to it and it's diametrically opposed to God, we're saying that this thought is smarter than God. It's bigger than God. That's right. It's bigger than God. It's more than what handle. he can handle. Yep. Yeah, it's, it, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being in readiness to avenge all disobedience 
when your obedience shall be made full. So what I call it is taking the chain of your will, wrapping it around the neck of every thought, and dragging that thought into the throne room, which of course is your heart, if you will, where, where Christ is seated on the throne room. And you ask God, do you want me to fellowship with this or no? And if he gives thumbs up, you're good. If he gives thumbs down, you're not good. And Kick that, it out. That's instant obedience to the Holy the Spirit. The initial promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's right. This, uh, you were talking about at night when you're thinking about it, you're in good company. David did the same thing in Psalm 16, 7. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. So at night, it sounded like he had some sleepless nights too and uh, spent time thinking about what God had instructed him on in his word. Of course, we know David loved God's word. And then Philippians 4, 7, and 8, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be, be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then there's a little detail that finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if, it, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. There's a really good filter right there for checking up your thought life against those standards. The other thing that I, I try to make things easy for me, I, it's hard for me to remember a lot of rules. Of course, I know to go to the scripture when I'm having trouble. But, but it, you, I think it's a healthy thing to learn to like yourself. You, you become someone you like being around. I think that's really important to develop. Mm -hmm. And I think God made you that way. He made you a specific way for a specific purpose. He has value invested in you. You should like yourself. You should spend some time doing things that make you like yourself more. Um, thinking about yourself at night, thinking during the day, laughing at yourself. I mean, if you have a good friend that you like to be around, you laugh at each other. You, you, you poke jokes at each other. I have a lot of material to work with throughout the day. <laughs> I crack myself up all the time. I got to catch myself with the, the language sometimes. But uh, learning to like yourself, I think, is a, a good, healthy way, simple way to, to approach this topic well, love your neighbor as yourself we right. talk, we've talked about it every segment this right. year so far i mean and i've i read something along those lines that when you're saying love your neighbor as yourself it implies that you, that love, you love yourself, yourself. right yeah well, well and, and yeah, I'm so not, you, i'm not that close to myself yet i'm still on a like basis th there you go right <laughs> oh and i'm disappointed in myself for whatever reason i am not a joy to be around you know, but when you feel good, you know, you're everybody's friend. I, can around, I yeah. said that, sir. I've been having a rough day. And I kept saying, I, you're not a very nice person to be around. I keep saying that to myself. So I, I have to back up, laugh a little bit. All right, let's lighten up a little bit and approach it a different way. A little bit more patience, a little bit more levity. So, you know, we, this motto, we haven't said it a lot recently. Uh, but, you know, you, the challenge of every day is to find our significance and our security in Christ and Christ alone. You're not going to do that if your self-talk is negative. You know, you're not valuing yourself, much less God. You're not esteeming yourself, much less God, uh, if you're putting yourself down day in, day out. If you're defeated in your mind, the battle's already lost. The battle's, the battle's lost. Uh, so Ephesians chapter 1 is a really good place to soak in. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now, Adrian Rogers was the first person I ever heard preach on this, and, and, and it, I've not gotten over it. Uh, 
almost on a daily basis, we will basically lament, I wish I had more fill in the blank. I wish I had more faith. I wish I had more courage. I wish I had more evangelistic fervor. I mean, fill in the blank. Or I wish I would have right. done this. Right, that's that. right. Mm -hmm. So this passage says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So we have it. He told Moses, everywhere you put your foot, it's yours. So he was telling Moses, I've already conquered it for you. You just need to go possess it. And Jesus has done the same for us. He's already conquered our flesh. We just need to go possess it in abundant Christian living and as such. And, and I won't go into it because it's more time than what we've got. But Ephesians chapter 1 just gives list after list after list of who you are in Christ. So if you and I will get familiar with that, and then when the self-talk starts and it's ungodly, it's devilish, it's worldly, we need to change it. Hey, I, I'm a child of the king. I'm an heir to the throne. It's a throne I'm never going to ascend, but, but I'm an heir to it, you know, so on and so forth. And, and that kind of changes everything. Amen. So, um, and thinking about this whole, you know, self-talk, Romans 12, 2, um, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing. The renewing of, of your, your mind. mind. Um, nothing changes until your thinking changes. Um, and if you're having a negative thought about yourself, about someone else, about a situation, fill in the blank, um, you're going to keep ruminating on You're going to obsess and you're going to keep thinking until you change the thought completely. You have to completely, and I don't know how that looks for you. It might look different for everybody sure. else, but you'll continue on that thought path until you make the conscious choice to take the thought captive and change it. So we have adopted the jack-in-the-box commercial for that very thing at the Kingston household. When someone says something that's a lack of faith or something, we will say, well, not with that attitude. And do you remember the jack-in-the-box commercial where Jack starts to levitate and leave? And the, the guy says, well, I can't fly. And Jack says, not with that attitude. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh with you really like that commercial. Love that commercial. commercial. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. There may or may not been me marijuana, medical marijuana, marijuana being used during that. I'm not sure. Wow. During that commercial. It's not on the covenant in his no, defense. No, that's right. Yeah. Um, so the best I could find is there's three types of self-talk. There's positive. Yep. That's I can do this. Yep. There's negative. Yep. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And then there's possible self-talk. Maybe I can do yeah, this. Amen. You know, and I think a lot of the maybe I can do this comes with maturity and immaturity. I got myself in a lot of trouble in my 20s to early 30s saying, I can do this or maybe I can do this. And I didn't think of the consequences if I was able to do it. Right. You know, I was able to buy a second house to try to flip it. And then it come crashing down. You know, I was able to do a couple things. But I think with maturity, some that self-talk, right. the same talk works. But uh, I fall back on the negative. The self-talk, that's absolutely when somebody's suicidal. That is that self-talk. Right. That is the Something end. Something told me. Yeah, it's the end game of self-talk, right. you know, when somebody commits that act, you know. So it's absolutely real. We just have to know how to turn it positive. It's almost like a, a jury trial, and the evidence just keeps get, getting presented, and you keep hammering on in your mind the, the convicting evidence that you're worthless that you're not that nobody loves you that your life doesn't matter it's almost like there's a, a 
a jury trial going on and finally the verdict's been rendered and you you, you, know, you feel like that that judgment has to be passed and when, when you're saying that there's you said there's positive there's negative and then possible possible and and all three of those ca categories like you could say that there's true positive right. and there's negative positive right. yeah. I'm sorry there's true and false positive correct so right. there's false things you can tell us about that are positive like uh, you know whatever I can be the president of the United States or and you, you have no not haven't taken a step in that direction yet right. stuff like that so there's true and and false of each one of those categories. attainable goals because they can quickly yeah. turn into a negative because yeah. you've set yourself on a pedestal with yourself talk and it, it was unattainable yeah and 10 foot 10 foot tall and bulletproof is the, the thing we used to say when yeah. we were kids nothing could destruct you until it does <laughs> so and that was me in my 20s i took so. on so many challenges i think that's every guy in their 20s and how any man survives to 25 is a mystery it's and an a miracle i have decided it's an act of grace of god that's why women that seems live awful longer. gender bias. I, <laughs> it's accurate. There's, There's something wrong with your frontal lobe. It is, it is scientifically proven. There you go. Well, so let, let me say this. One caveat real quick before we go to the second topic. Um, that we're not talking about positive mental attitude. Amen. I, 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 even yeah. though I know that a lot of people cling to that, there is a 100% difference for me between quote unquote, positive mental attitude and a biblical mental attitude. And that's all I'm talking about when I talk about self-talk. So live your best life now. Type yes, <laughs> right. If you buy into that, you are living your best life now there, and not exactly in eternity. Right. <laughs> positive mental attitude is I'm going to have a positive influence on my life by thinking positive. Correct. And, Correct. Really and there's a trap in that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. There's an absolute I, trap in exactly that. That's exactly what was happening when I had my little incident with the car backing it out to the lady. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's going to be positive. That's right. And so uh, what, what I'm, you know, the self-talk I'm talking about is being biblical with your self-talk. So instead of calling yourself the idiot, you call yourself a child of God, you know, and, and that brings everything into focus. Uh, so th well, there's a whole lot of rabbits. I was kind of thinking that, too. I mean, there's, this can go so many directions. But when you're speaking of Moses, everywhere my your foot touches will be yours and you know, when you think about that in today's day, we're so materialistic and selfish, and we're thinking, well, sure, everywhere my foot touches, I'm going to own that, and right. I'm going to buy that. Right. It, we're not looking at it like that. We're, we're talking about the kingdom of God. Right. We're not talking about the physical possessions and right. owning things. It's, it's reaching people. It's um, right. where you're going spiritually. And in that case, yeah, God's given you what you need to step your foot on that spiritually exactly and, right. and so, gain for his kingdom. Amen. Good stuff. All right. So topic number two, if you're here Sunday um, and also coming to sermons in the future, yep. um, Ben threw down kind of, uh, how would you say it, a challenge, loving challenge. Uh, we talked about it in our small group. I'm really glad that we came to first service because we were <laughs> able to talk about it in our small group. But it was on serving and what would a serving revolution look like? So uh, we challenged last Sunday uh, here at Bethel Baptist Church to uh, prayerfully consider making a uh, two-hour commitment uh, as of February the 7th, so it'd start on February the 8th until May the 8th, and that's roughly 90 days. Uh, and so uh, you would uh, find something in up to two hours, we're, we're in, and we're not going to police it. We're going to expect people to you know, do what they say and say what they do, 
Um, we, we, again, I'm kind of dreaming it still. We may ask people to say what it is that they sh are striving to do, but on some level, serve the community up to two hours a week beyond what you're already doing. Uh, it's a serving revolution. And so uh, this comes out of the book, I Will, uh, and there's nine commitments that Tom Rainier talks about that every church member should consider making, and I Will Serve was, is one of them. And uh, I, I agree uh, with Mr. Rainier that if churches will uh, make a, a stronger, if you will, commitment to serve, uh, on a weekly basis, the community that they live in, whether that's your neighbor that, that needs the leaves rake, uh, you know, a, an elderly neighbor in your community that needs transportation, uh, someone with cancer, I mean, fill in the blank, uh, a community project, uh, a business that needs some help, uh, just whatever. Now, it can also be the church, but, but th that's not the emphasis. Uh, the emphasis is people within your community. Now, I want people to pray it through. And so if the Holy Spirit leads them to serve the church, we talked about a particular area here uh, th that we could use some help in. But again, as a general rule, we're hoping that folks will look, you know, I'm trying to coin the phrase, um, and, and I had a, a young lady the other day that even said it for me, and I was thrilled at that. Your sphere of influence. I really want Bethel folks to really connect what is that? Well, for Ben Kingston, it's Dawn, uh, Molly, Benjamin, Tony, and then it's my neighbors, and then it's Stacy and Brad, and, you know, fill in the blank. That's my sphere of influence. And so you've got a sphere of influence, too. Uh, back in the day, they called it concentric circles of concern. So you throw a pebble into the pond, and it makes these circles, and each circle is connected to the next. And the first circle are those that are closest to you, but then that 10th or 12th circle maybe is the person that you see at R&R or QT or whatever the case may be. What are we doing to serve those people? What are we doing to impact them to pave the road uh, like you were talking about, uh, to, to own uh, you know, those steps to get into the kingdom world uh, with your world? So it's not just one person you pick out. One project you picked out. Can be. Okay. Because uh, that's, that's the way my mind was working, yeah. towards a well, project that I could do. Is that project going to take two hours a week for 90 days? Potentially. There you go. Take then I would say more, absolutely. Could take, could take more, more, right. More yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah abs I mean, again, I, I think for me, less is more. So, so I don't really want to give a whole lot of defining to, to box people in. Uh, I, I just kind of want to give a direction, and the Holy Spirit will, will take them from there. So I had so many thoughts on this, but number one, in a serving revolution, as we called it, what would that look like? And I thought, you know, when you start with marriages, which are struggling so, so significantly in America today, and our small group is a married couples class, so it was easy to already think about this, but if you started within your marriage, serving your spouse, no doubt. and if that's something you're not already doing, like how that would revolutionize marriage if every marriage was focused on to some level, serving their spouse before themselves, how different that would look. Um, but that was just one thought I had. Um, but outside of the serving realm, um, watching somebody that serves well is Brad Vanderman. And I'll just you know give a rose to the living. We were at the basketball game Monday night, and he announces 
for the Bulldogs, and I'm right. 100% sure he gets maybe a free water out of the gig. Um, but Very little. Yeah. Very little. But between uh, halftime, there he is, grabs a, grabs a broom, and he's, he's sweeping the whole sweeping gym the floor, going floor. back and forth, back and forth. Nobody asked him to do it. Nobody was going to do it anyway. And um, it's just things like that, like in the moment. Um, but if I, not to be so bold, but what I would love to see um, – you know, even within our church is in the serving revolution is for people to be so excited. I think once you start serving, it's like you want to serve more no and doubt. you want to do more. Um, years and years ago, I had talked to this Christian counselor and, and man, I had really been through it. My husband had left and I was, uh, you know, single mom with these two small kids at home and really hurting. And I'm talking to this counselor, preacher, great Christian man. And this is what he says. Do you know anybody that needs help? When, when you start to have healing and it happens when you start serving other people and you start thinking about other people and their needs and you start meeting their needs and then you will find a lot of, and I didn't want to hear that, like, <laughs> dude, I'm paying you because I'm not in a good place and you're coming out with I need to serve people. Well, think about the self-talk. What, did, what were you telling yourself at that right. time? And when you take your mind off of that, you consume uh, it with the positive of something else. was 100% yeah. right. Um, and it's, it's one of those things, if it catches on, it's like the spark that lights a whole fire. That's right. And how amazing would it be if we had service opportunities and people start seeing that, like, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to do that. And then you get plugged in more with the people around you within your church, and you're reaching out to other people outside your church. And it's, it's a very, it's like... Um, like sewing fabric together mm -hmm. it, it gets everybody comes together closer and tighter oh. uh, just a real quick example was just a couple years ago at the easter walk you remember the night that it was supposed to rain right and we were all praying and we were talking no rain we're watching the radar and that and it was starting to get late and we were going to close down and people were still showing up and we were running around and we're like you guys want to keep going we had a hundred of our bethel people maybe more coming together and we pushed through another you know couple two three hundred it was just that was a group coming together to serve it was it was amazing and i think we were all on a cloud we came in here and we're cheering and crying and you know that's that's just something that i've seen personally it's it's amazing when people come together and do that and it honestly just speaking of the easter walk that was something that it took us forever to get involved in and once we did we loved it every member of our family loves the easter walk and because we're all serving together it's nothing for ourselves we get right. nothing out of it right. But it is such a joy to see that many people come through, help all those people. We're doing it as a group. It's great. Larry says, maybe child care for them that need help for getting jobs. Amen. Mm. And, and so, so let's just take that. Here you are. Uh, you live in a neighborhood, and your neighbor is doing just that. They're trying to find a job, but they've got kids that they've got to watch, and you're available uh, to watch the kids while they go out and look for a job. That, that, that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, now, granted, a lot of opportunities are closed to us now because you're not going to go to the nursing home, you know, right now, things of that nature, and, th and that's unfortunate. Now, that's not to say that there's not, you couldn't think outside of the box, you know, uh, and, and call the nursing home and say, okay, I know I can't come in. What can I do? Can I come to the windows? Right. You know. Oh, uh, right now in healthcare, what it's, can I do? it's not a pretty time to be in healthcare. I won't even pretend, but we've had schools that were little, you know, kids are just, you can barely read what they're trying to write, but it's a thank you card 
for being a healthcare worker. Right. And uh, we haven't gotten a lot of accolades. You know, we're not like you know the firemen and people that are. <laughs> No, no, no digs against the firemen no, in the yeah, building or anything, husband. but they walk on water anyway. He's no shooting bad. laser beams <laughs> for you right now. <laughs> but we've been getting all these like little, you know, thank you cards and things from kids, and it's just a, a card. It, I don't yeah. know. It, somebody had at Bethel had started a ministry to reach uh, the military, right. and I'm right. sure I will never know. Right. But I have to imagine that is a humongous blessing to blessing. whoever's receiving that. So uh, something else, uh, you know. I dig out here. Uh, I, I wanted to try to start, and that is to have a almost like a booth set up where you could sit down for 20 seconds to a minute and and just say, uh, "Hey, you know, all you folks needing to stay home right now, we love you, we miss you, and here's a shout out to you know Kevin and Connie Pulse, you know, and, and then we put that on our Facebook deal and, and get it out to them, make sure make sure that they see it uh, and the such." Now, that's a very small thing. It take, you know, like, again, 20 seconds to 30 seconds to do it. But what about the person that sets it all up? You know, that, that could be their two hours a week thing and, 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 and make it. I mean, again, if you're struggling with knowing what to do, come talk to them. You know, I, I can give you some ideas. But I, I believe in most cases the Holy Spirit's going to already working on an area showing you this is what I'd like for you to do. Oops, sorry. Yeah. Uh, one quote you did, I, I don't know if you have it in your notes, it's powerful when you think of how, you know, the saying, many hands makes light loads, but also that small two hours, you talked about if every person in your church does that two hours and right. every church does that, you had tens of thousands of hours right. of servitude within 90 days, right. what would that make this area look like? You I think, I, I'm trying to remember, of course, you, you know, me and math uh, don't get along, but it was... Uh, if 100 people do it for 90 days, uh, that's uh, 4, 8, 12 weeks uh, times 2. So, you know, yeah. it's in the thousands of hours. Yeah, just think about, like, Main Street of St. Clair. Right. If you had 100 people spend 1,000 hours on that street just cleaning it up and painting, sure. what would it look like? So apply that to Get anything. permission before you paint someone's yeah, business. Well, just, okay. just disclaimer. <laughs> Spray paint kid, yeah. I think somebody's already taken that up. Yeah, there is, some, <laughs> there is somebody serving St. Clair well right now. So. <laughs> they, yeah, probably, very they might have a graphic design there job in their future <laughs> once they get out of their teens. So um, in our small group, we kind of talked about taking on something as a group. Yes, I love um, it. And just praying through that, like what as a group, if, if individually we can't come up with something that we feel – you know, I, and I think even small things will be good things. Right. Um, but if we could do more together, what would that be? And we were just kind of praying through and kind of discuss uh, in the weeks to come what we can get off the ground. So. Well, and I'll say this too that uh, you know you mentioned about spouses, you know, just serving one another. Uh, that's huge. Uh, there, I've I've got a piece of material that has 25 ways for a husband to be a servant leader to his family. Good stuff, good ideas. And again, that's, that's not specifically what is in mind here, but it wouldn't hurt a thing for, for people to you know, do that as well, to, to just kind of re-heighten the, the, the desire and the need to serve one another. I, I, I don't do it every Friday, but you know, Fridays are my day off. Any and every Friday that I take a little bit of time to do a little bit of care around the house is just greatly appreciated pays huge dividends it's just wonderful 
and so you know it, and, and she does all sorts of crazy things for me as well so it, it's very important to serve one another in the home as well so we were talking about how um sunday it we live in a very me-centered world sure. um and i i heard a preacher he was talking about how from the moment you wake up uh, your alarm goes off and you get in the shower and you're using your shampoo not your wife has like eight shampoos you don't even know what those are for uh you don't touch you've got your shampoo and then you go make a cup of coffee with a, a k-cup a keurig it, it's one it's my cup of coffee because that's my flavor and i like it's my cup of coffee and then you know you you're driving along and you're listening to your playlist and your earbuds and and this is these are my songs that i've picked for me because i like them everything society is so me centered no and when you talk about serving it's becoming so foreign to people that when you do anything that is serving someone else right. for no reason at all people notice it and it's shocking anymore um to the point i think we're so starved of just people doing nice things just for the heck of it that nobody knows how to act it's like on joy fm when they do the i got joyed have you ever gotten joyed oh my and it's like, oh my gosh, I just got joy. Somebody, somebody bought my coffee. I can't even right. like, I don't even know how to act. I, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it probably, it was an extra three bucks for somebody else. But I mean, it's shocking to people to quote, get joyed or get served. You're getting served is essentially what you're saying. Um, I think that it would be transforming in the world we live in today to just do selfless acts right. regularly. So, so let, let, let's, you know, we're, we're dreaming here for a minute. What, what, what if, and, and again, the Holy Spirit is king in this, but because uh, I, I know of a, of a family that um, their uh, mother died suddenly in 2020, a heart attack, and she loved Starbucks coffee. And so basically in lieu of a funeral, they stood out of Starbucks one day and paid up to like $3,000 worth of people's coffee. Wow. They just bought everybody's coffee that morning that came through during rush hour, like six to eight. And, and I, forgive me if I'm inaccurate on the numbers, but it was, it was a lot of money. And, and they did it in her memory, you know. Well, you know, so, so let's dumb it down for us Baptists. 3000 3, bucks is only 10 coffees, so it's way better. <laughs> 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 uh, what, what if you took $100? What if you took $100 one week and you stood out at McDonald's and bought the next 10 people's breakfast type thing. And, and, and you're just going to say, that's on Bethel Baptist Church. I usually give a card. If, if, I, if I buy something, when I get to the window, I try to get out of there, yeah. but I'll give them a card and say, just give this to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Amen. And, and uh, so, so, you know, you're, you're, you're not putting your name on it. You're giving credit, if you will, to the Lord. And that doesn't come off your tithes, just, just say it. But none of that. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. It was a joke, but um, it was hilarious. Yeah, just something along those lines. It, it, but, but that's not to say that, that you can just pay money and get out of it. You know, uh, it, but but if, if the Lord leads you to something like that, that would be cool too, because you are serving people. Yeah, no doubt. Nacho fries are back. Oh heavens! <laughs> I wish I would have never tried those stupid things. I need something bad to happen at Taco Bell, really. So I never go back there. I have need you a seen big. The commercial? I need hair in my feet oh, or a tooth or something. I need to go on there. <laughs> that can be arranged. You know, speaking <laughs> speaking of Starbucks, since you said it, so myself and my friend Lee were going through Starbucks, 
And we had, there was like this $80,000 Mercedes SUV in front of us. And he's just grumbling, that rich guy, he should buy our coffees, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> when we got up there to get our $15 and two coffees, they're like, person in front of you paid. I started <laughs> slugging him in the shoulder. I was like, you see? And he was blown away. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's, did they have a Joy FM sticker on the car? <laughs> I, no, I, I didn't see that. But they, they didn't pay for it. Now, and I've done that at McDonald's. I've convinced myself. There was two guys behind me. This was like at 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to pay for these guys, you know, breakfast. Just yeah. two guys. And I pull up and got my coffee and like a sandwich. It was like three bucks. I'm like, hey, uh, and I shouldn't have asked. I should have just said I'm going to pay for it. But I'm like, what? what's the one behind me? And they were like, twenty-two eighty-seven. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, how, how does two guys get that? Twenty-two eighty-seven. That's 15 burritos. They, they must have been buying for their whole crew. Oh, had to it be. might have been the medical marijuana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's so, good. They did not get joined that morning. So. Yeah. Well, it's 2 in the morning. Yeah. It's yeah. a little suspect, just saying. All right. So our third and final topic is on standing alone. So I'm going to let Ben set this up as I've got to scoot out. But what is standing alone? Well, so uh, surely you guys have been watching the news. <laughs> what? And uh, we as a... Uh, there goes my self-talk. Right. Yeah, there goes my self-talk. We as a nation are in a mess. And, uh, you know, we've always been under the, uh, what would the word be, the expectation from God to speak for him, uh, to be his mouthpiece, to stand for him. And certainly in today's age, we're going to get more and more and more of those opportunities. And it's going to come with more and more and more uh, possible consequences. And so I think that it, it's good to revisit, uh, if you will, how to stand alone, what, why we would stand alone, and, and things of that nature. So that, that's the reason for the topic. Um, I've got it down here, of uh, the ability and confidence in one's standing with Christ. To stand with Christ in any circumstance, what to do when we fail to stand. So, uh, you know, the bottom line for me is we must stand first against ourselves because I can't speak for you, but any and every time that I get the opportunity to stand alone, the first person I have to stand up to is my flesh I, I, because I don't, want, I don't want to. I, I do not want to let my truth be known, if you will, uh, and even though I, that's a world phrase, Nobody has a market on the truth. Uh, the, there are moral absolute truths. There are truths for everyone, for every place, for every time. And so uh, you and I have to be willing to lovingly take those stands. You know, for instance, we are in uh, this setting right now with what I call gender confusion. And for the most part, we're scared to death to tell what we really believe. We, that wasn't the case 20 years ago. But now it is. But still, the reality is, is that lot, people's lives are, are in the balance. And if you and I don't love people enough to say the truth, we may be unwillingly, if you will, or unwittingly uh, perpetrating this falsity. Do you have something, Gabe? Sometimes uh, tr truth is surrounded by a bodyguard of lies. As I think that was Churchill that said that. Um, sometimes truth is so scarce or hard to come by or hard to say or hard to discover because it's guarded by a bodyguard of lies. And we got we got to avoid that or, or, or diplomatically work through that, speak the truth, stand on the truth. Sometimes we may not understand the truth ourselves and just be honest about that. I, I'm not really sure what the answer is, but i am work through it with you. you know, be honest in that regard. And in regard to standing alone, I think my first comment about self-talk 
is bleeds through onto this topic. If you like yourself, you have a, a healthy thought life, and you like yourself, standing alone is a little easier, I think. You, in confidence, um, knowing your weaknesses, I mean, it's really important to understand where you're weak. It's really important to understand when you overreact, when you underreact, when you... Um, I infamously speak when I should keep my silence, and I stay silent when I should speak. So I, I see that as a weakness. Um, so one of the gauges that I use is if I feel like I absolutely have to say something, I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely in the wrong. It's usually the way it is. So if I, I've got to say something about this, it's usually when I should keep my mouth shut. Have you ever heard the, some of you probably have heard the, the uh, poem by Kipling, If, have you ever heard that poem before? Mm -hmm. You really should you just Google it and look it up. I'm just going to read one section out of it, and it's specifically about standing alone. It's about, it's a, Kipling wrote this to his son, and basically preparing him for the time when he'll have to stand alone. He says, if you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster, and treat those two impostors just the same. If you can bear and hear truth, you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. It just goes on and on like that. We're standing alone, standing for right, making sure you're in, in the right, and being comfortable with that regardless of what the people around you are doing to tear you down. Um, but the whole poem is basically addressing that. And, and I, I have no idea what the title is, If. Uh, just type in If by Kipling, and it'll come up. But it's a, it's about standing alone. It's got some great tips. You, you don't get washed away with your victories. Don't get blown away by your defeats. Um, walk with a, uh, I don't know if, if confidence is the right word, but at least a, a presence uh, about you, some... some uh, What's the word? Humility, if maybe, mm -hmm. is part of the word, and and yet don't uh, let someone convince you that you're doing wrong when you're not, or convince you that you're doing right when you're not. Um, so keep your thoughts about you, or your wits about you, and uh, stand alone if you have to. Yeah. Well, uh, there's no greater scripture, Romans 1:16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew then to the Gentile the I like to think the landslide of choosing that there's no better word than sin is that you know if you're afraid to stand up you know those who know the right to do it and do not for them it is a sin you know so if you've found yourself in situations where you should have stood up done the right thing that's Christ-like right well you know the landslide I'm talking about is you're you're ashamed there's there's no other word if you're afraid to stand up and say something you know you can that self-talk you can tell yourself you're not ashamed but that's what it is right. you know and then the bible says that landslide i'm talking about is god will not be mocked whatever a man sows also he shall reap right. so you you're ashamed of the gospel you know and then the consequences of doing that are just going to keep piling up on you and um you know like i don't know the young man's name you guys have seen him he's been preaching in st Clair. he's standing at the corners with a squawk box He's just going at it. You know, that's a man standing alone. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, Saw him this week. Yeah. You know, I, I honk and give him a thumbs up. There's been a head full of times. Lindsay's like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm going to jump out and grab his mic. We're going to start <laughs> going at this, you know. I haven't, you know, but there's been a couple times the Holy Spirit's told me to do it. You know, I did get told I couldn't get on stage at a 
Pentecostal re- revival. I wanted to, but they said no, you know. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, but that's standing alone, right. you know. And uh, I don't know. He I, was preaching it too, preaching oh, yeah. the gospel. You know, I got to give it. Mercy Ministries. Yeah. It's awesome, you know, and it's just being in a crowd. I've been teaching right now. My, I won't even go into that, but my kids have stood out in crowds. And, you know, they it, later on, they're like, that was so awkward. I'm like, yeah, but no matter what you're doing, I said, you're standing out. That makes you look like and you are a leader when you do things like that. You bet. Well, we're a social people. We like community. There's probably nothing more painful or awkward and difficult than standing alone. But it's still very needed. Uh, I love that passage about the armor in Ephesians chapter 6. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. I just love that. Uh, and, and I feel like that, that Paul was basically talking to us that, that it's going to be very difficult to stand. So having done all to stand, stand. Uh, so listen to these names of people that in the Scripture stood alone. Christ, Stephen, James, the one that was beheaded, John the Baptist, he was exiled, Elijah, David, Jonathan, Paul, John the Revelator, Apollo, you think about that, uh, Apollo was preaching a doctrine that, that people didn't want to hear. Uh, the unknown prophet uh, in the Old Testament, Samuel, Samson, and Elisha. And there's many, many others. Oh, the man who, the rich man who gave his tomb. Yeah, yeah, Joseph of yeah. Arimathea. Yeah. yeah, you bet. Uh, and, and so, now, what we can't tell you is when this time will come, but we can pretty well promise you whether it's in your kitchen or in your neighborhood or in your church, in your Sunday school room, uh, in your workplace, uh, at school, you're going to get an opportunity to stand. Now, I, I, for me personally, it starts back at home because, let's face it, we're, every one of us, we're sinners. And there's times that we may be the only ones in the room that have it right on a particular subject, you know. For, for whatever reason, we, we, we're the ones standing on biblical, you know, ground here. We need to love our wife and kids enough and vice versa. It, so if it's the wife that she's the one that, that's right on point here, she needs to love her husband and kids enough to say, no, no, this is the right thing and way to think about that. And, and then that might, you know, get into an argument, and that's okay. As iron sharpeneth iron... So one man's countenance sharper than another man's countenance, or female, whatever the case may be. And so my point is, is if we don't learn how to stand alone at home, we're never going to do it anywhere else. And I feel the same way here at church. If we don't learn to take a loving stand here at church, and we, because, guys, I want to tell you, and sometimes I've been the one saying the, the wrong stuff. There's no church member in here that, that's got it, you know, completely down. And so if someone starts saying something that's not quite right, You've got to love them enough to say, no, no, let's talk about that. And, and, and so if we learn to stand at home and at church, hopefully it's going to come a little more natural when it's out. There is also a trap in that because if you're always that person that stands for everything, it could be misconstrued or arrogance. Oh, there's no one. But know, I'm not talking about that. I know that. But <laughs> I, I'm messing with but, you. But uh, situation. Humility I'm, was the word that came to mind when he was saying that. That's it, you know. Um, the people, right. a lot of people here know Steve Reed. You know, yeah. he's a deacon at our church for the Radio Land. You know, he don't, 
per se stand up too much and say something. It's his morals and all that, his respect that precedes him. You know, it says your reputation will enter a room before you do. Right. But with his long to think, slow to speak, I've seen him in a situation where some bad things were happening and they just forgot he was there. And when he stood up and started talking, I mean, like a light switch, people shut up and listened. You know, he took a stand and it was unbelievable, but it was just his... His consistency of right. n- not having opinion on everything, right. just knowing the right time to strike. Absolutely. I, and th- that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That, yep. My point is, yeah, if, you're, if, if you've <laughs> got to have the last say on everything, that, that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about that, quote, unquote, everyone else in the room seems to have an unbiblical view on this particular subject. You've got to be willing to say, wait a minute. You know, let, let, let's consider this, you know. Well, they, that, that's all I'm saying. Then there's a scientific term. It's called hive mind. They say that's what brought down the Apollo mission when it crashed. Everybody had, they wanted to say something. There was something wrong, something there. Mm-hmm. But they were afraid to say something, and ultimately it destroyed the spacecraft and killed all those men, you know. Yeah. You, got, you can't be afraid to disagree with those around you if you feel. And there, there, is, uh, there is safety in a multitude of counselors. Right. You can't do that. But everybody, if everybody wants to be in charge, it's not going to work. Um, there's some very valuable things in this discussion that we have to, as Christians, value them enough to work on them. So when we're talking about speaking the truth, the, the truth is providing a parameter for love to, to rejoice in. Love rejoices in the truth. So truth protects love. And, of course, love rejoices in that. Um, um. Hang on. <laughs> well, the Bible says, you know, Jesus, uh, well, and love rejoices in the truth. The truth is Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So, you know, that's, that's why I always say the Bible is a secret decoder book. When love rejoices in the truth, love rejoices with Jesus. That should be our objective when our, in these discussions, these type of uh, discussions, that love rejoices in that. In that. And the, the other passage of Scripture that makes the full circle there is, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Uh, freedom, of course, is the perfect environment for love to be expressed in. So, so there, there's a circle of things that are very valuable that any discussion that we have should be with those in mind. Uh, we don't own the truth. The truth is not mine. I don't. It's not my personal possession. I could be mistaken on what I believe, just like the next person. So, let's hone it out together, and not not one person stand from the point. This, I, this is I have the truth. Yeah. This is my truth. Pet, pet, pet it, and, and then lord it over other people. So. Larry says uh, Mark Twain said a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. <laughs> Amen. It's true. So uh, the the first time I was ever exposed to the truth of standing alone was through um, a fellow named um, Bill Gothard, and, and you know if you do a lot of research on Bill Gothard, you can find and read a lot of stuff. Bottom line is, is God used Bill Gothard in my 20s and 30s to really set me on a path of biblical discipleship, and uh, I just had never, had never dealt with that whole thing. If I am left as the only person in a setting, am I going to allow myself to stay silent and safe, or am I going to stand alone? And, and I had never dealt with that. And so as a result of that teaching, I dealt with it. And, and, and I, I 
you know, committed before God, if you will. So I had this experience a little bit after that. I got, and, and some of you have heard this because I've said it before in sermons. I was lost in the bowels of, uh, I think it was uh, St. Louis University Hospital. And man, I was, I was on the bottom floor. And uh, there's some scary stuff down there. Yeah, I was lost. There were two guards down there, and they were talking. And so before I got up to them, I heard the discussion. And one was inviting the other. They obviously didn't know each other very well. One was inviting the other to a party. And so when I turned the corner, sir, can we help you? Yes, I'm trying to find so-and-so. Oh, you need to get in the elevator, go to fifth floor. Thank you. So as I'm getting on the elevator, the one guy says, oh, but now wait a minute. You're not a Christian or anything because, you know, we're going to do some things at this party. Oh, no, no, don't, don't you worry about me, you know. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and the Holy Spirit crammed into that elevator with me and said, you've got to say something. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there. terribly uncomfortable. It is. They don't know me from Adam. And I just happened to overhear their conversation. And I just stepped out, and I said, you may find yourself wanting that Christianity someday, boys. I'm just saying. And the doors closed. <laughs> and I said it in such a way that it wasn't judgmental and, and all that. And the one guy, as, as the elevator is sending, ascending, the guy that had said, oh, no, don't you worry about that. I'm sorry, the guy that was doing the inviting, he said, it's only for one night. <laughs> That's what he said. Mm. And I'm telling you, how many people have said that and then that one night ruined their life? Oh, yeah. That one night ruined their marriage. That one night ruined their health. Whatever the case may be. And, and that took me back to the payday sir. Payday Sunday sermon by R.G. Lee. Uh, almost always say R.G. 3. But R.G. Lee there. Uh, not as good. Not as good, no. He, he says in that Payday Someday, and you can Google or YouTube it, and it's excellent. Uh, but how many men sat in his office during his tenure at First Baptist Church, or Belleville Baptist Church in Memphis, one of the largest churches in the world, if I could take two minutes back of my life, I would. If I could take two hours back of my life, I would. And, and, and these were millionaires. These were men of standing. But they had ruined their lives because of a very poor choice. So standing alone is extremely important. Yeah, I don't know where we're at e on time. Evil's job is easy. Yeah. Its job is easy. To destroy something that's, been, that's taken 50 years to build right. it takes 10 minutes. Yep, that's right. Uh, Amen. You should always pray before you hit send. <laughs> should Amen. always pray. Guys, thank you. This is one of the best crowds yet. Thank you, thank you. Uh, encourage your folks to, to listen to this. It'll be on uh, BethelLondale.com soon. Thank you, Brad. Sorry I yelled at you earlier, Brad. Okay. That it came out a lot harsher than I meant for it to. <laughs> he didn't want me to tap on the Yeah, yeah. The I'm trying to keep you from tapping on the, the microphone, Brad. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks, everybody.